It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this Independence Day edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Great way to start with uh, that uh, rendition of America by uh, my good friend George Winters, Smokin' George, as uh, he has been known over the years, uh, along with vocalist Michael McGlown. And anyway, great way to start out. We've got a good show today. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with the author. Well, he's um, actually a uh, columnist for the Times of Israel. Harry Middleman is his name. He has a new book. It's called Paths of the Righteous. And it's uh, inspirational stories of heroism, humanity, and hope in lieu of the deadly rise of anti-Semitism, racially motivated crimes, and shootings. Um, Anyway, interesting conversation with Eric coming up uh, during the third half of our three-hour tour. In the middle of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk, this is really kind of interesting, um, a new book uh, by best-selling author and award-winning journalist Stephen Kotler. Now, he's the uh, executive director of the Flow Research Collective and one of the world's leading experts on human performance. But his new book, The Devil's Dictionary, is a unique blend of eco-fiction and traditional cyberpunk that explores hot topics in psychology, neuroscience, technology, as well as ecological and animal rights issues. It's um, kind of interesting because it's it's a, a futuristic tale, not far off into the future, and it's um, it's not utopian, but it's not dystopian either, and you'll find out what that means when we talk with Stephen Kotler coming up in about an hour. But we start out this hour with a special tribute, an encore interview, if you will, from our uh, MLK show in 2018. I had the honor and privilege of uh, having this guest that's on during the first hour on the show, oh, I think three times, but but at, at least two or three times. And he would have been distinctive just for having turned 100 this past November. Um, but he, in fact, was one of the few uh, surviving um, Tuskegee Airmen who helped America win uh, the Second World War. Um, He passed away June 22nd, but I thought he had such an incredible life. Uh, He was a prisoner of war in World War II. Uh, After being shot down, he flew many missions. Um, He was part of that group known as the Red Tails, Uh, a great movie made about about the Red Tails. And uh, Anyway, he he tells a lot of his story. He um, 
Let's see. Uh, in 42, he was sworn into the United States Army Reserves, and in April 1943, he reported to Tuskegee Army Airfield to begin flight training. And um, I'll just go over some of the highlights, because he's going to tell a lot of his story in his own words coming up after the break. Um, okay. Uh, before the Tuskegee Airmen, no African American had ever been a United States military pilot. They're credited with um, having really kind of opened the door to uh, military integration racially. Um, in 1944, Jefferson was shot down and captured by German troops. He spent nine months as a prisoner of war before he was finally liberated and returned home. Um, Let's see uh, if there's any any other highlights that that I want to share. I don't want to take away from him telling his story, um, so no spoiler alerts from this encore presentation. Um, General George Patton was uh, in charge of the troops that uh, liberated. Um, Alexander uh, in April of 1945 and let's see um, I'm just trying to think what else uh, oh in 1948 President Harry Truman signed an executive order ending segregation in the military the Tuskegee Airmen, who always knew failure was not an option, helped write that history. And uh, Jefferson said, I've had a darn good stinking life. <laughs> he said, God has been very good to me. And uh, he passed away in June of uh, this year, June 22nd, at age 100. And he is... Uh, um one of the one of the more interesting guests I've had on the show over the years and it seems appropriate on this Independence Day July 4th uh, 2022 that we pay tribute to um, Alexander Jefferson and his recent passing um, as an example of all of the men and women who have uh, sought to protect our independence and, and worked hard to improve our independence in this country. So um, <clears throat> we have a break coming up and then we'll we'll get into our conversation with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Jefferson. But first, another one of my favorite guests from over the years lifelong musician he passed away a few years ago but he was 80 something when he performed um, this next song we're going to hear on the show and uh, i think the last time he was on the show was not long after barack obama got elected uh, president and um anyway uh let's see where am i here floyd Dones. Is, is his name, and uh, we're going to hear 
a song by Floyd. Then we're going to take a short break. And then we'll be back with Alexander and uh, the rest of the show. But uh, this first hour, a tribute certainly to um, the men and women of the uh, armed forces and especially the Tuskegee Airmen. Hello there My, it's been a long, long time How am I doing? Oh, I guess I'm doing fine It's been so long now but it seems like it was only yesterday. Ain't it funny how time can slip right on away? How is your new love? Oh, I guess it's doing fine. No, I heard that you told him that you were gonna love him till the end of time. That's the same thing that you told me. Seems like only yesterday. Ain't it funny? How time can slip right on the way. I gotta go now. Maybe I'm gonna see you somewhere around. You never can tell, though. But I'll be back. Very nice. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is the author of uh, a book called Red Tail Captured, Red Tail Free, Memoirs of a Tuskegee Airman and POW. It uh, is a, a personal memoir of those who served America in World War II. He is uh, from Detroit originally and uh, joins me now by phone, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Alexander Jefferson. Alexander, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's great to talk to you again. You were on my show uh, three or four years ago um, after the book came out, um, mm-hmm. and it's and it's great to have you back. Um, and I and I'm really looking forward to this hour um, for a lot of reasons. One because it's uh, Martin Luther King's birthday, and That's right. the the Tuskegee Airmen are remembered, also known as the 332nd uh, Fighter Group, uh, as the Red Tails. Um, mm-hmm. How did how did that name come about? Well, it was designated. It was designated by higher headquarters. And and uh, and, and the the back provides air identification. And and am I right in in remembering that that uh, the the tails were literally painted red? That's right, literally. In the and, movie. Uh, Certain pilot told the ground crew, he just makes the paint, paint the darn things red. That's that's a false. I was going to ask you. identification. At the time, you had three or four P-51 fighter groups. And there's a means of identification. They joined the bombers going from Italy up to Germany. The different colors designated the group. Higher headquarters, the 15th Air Force, said that the C-32nd fighter group, Red Tails, the uh, 52nd, there were three other groups. The 52nd group, Yellow Tails, uh, the, the 325th, the Checkerboard. So therefore, when you joined the, the bombers, that's they didn't know who you were. Mm-hmm. Now, in in the movie, uh, it, it was um, portrayed that it, that uh, white pilots would be sent to do uh, bombing raids, but very often the red tails were sent as as escorts and to run interference, and and they made it look as though some of the racism that existed in the military at that time um, had actually fallen away because the, the, these uh, white fighter pilots would be so excited, oh, we want the red tails and that kind of thing. It, had it really developed in that I believe, way? I believe that, uh, that was a bit overplayed because combat is combat. We... Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the bombers, the B-17, B-24 pilots, might have wanted 
the 332nd Pledge Group because of the uh, way that we did. We stopped. When? Are we still there? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you now. Okay. Many times when uh, when the German fighters would attack the bombers, and the 332nd came in and, and, and fought them away and stayed with the bombers. Many times the white group would leave the bombers, but we had a record of staying with the bombers. That's part of the reason why. There's a mm-hmm. quote that uh, that I believe comes from your book that I was astonished to read, and and I want to I want to get into more of your experiences in the next segment because we just have a, a couple of minutes. But um, right. you mentioned in the book that after having been treated by the Nazis like any other Allied officer. That's correct. You said, I walked down the gangplank wearing an Army Air Corps officer's uniform towards a white U.S. Army sergeant on the dock who said, whites to the right, niggers to the left. That's right. What, Alexander, I can't can't even imagine what that would feel like as, as hated as the Germans were during World War II. For you to have gotten that Which, impression that they treated you Tom, with more respect than your Tom, own. you have to understand the conditions in the United States at that time. Pure segregation was there and in many, many places. That's part of the reason why the civil rights movement was that came about after World War II. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't until 1948 right. that Truman uh, signed an executive military. Yeah, and uh, then 1954, where the schools were desegregated. But see, things like that happened. And the conditions of the United States at that time, where blacks were denied certain, and by the way, women are still undergoing the process of liberation. You know, it's um, this. Your story is a fascinating one, and I, I want to make sure and and talk about all aspects of it. You were born in De- you were born in Detroit. How did you end up at Clark College in Atlanta? Well, my grandfather attended Clark College. All of my my, my mother attended Clark College. All of her sisters and brothers, my uncles, attended Clark College. Naturally, my claim came. Automatically, my grandfather was the minister of the local church right near Clark College. 
Where did I go? <laughs> Following the family tradition. All in the family. All right. Um, Alexander Jefferson is my guest. He is a retired lieutenant colonel uh, uh, and, and former uh, Tuskegee Airman. Is it is it a little bit like, uh, like Marines, uh, once a Tuskegee Airman, always a Tuskegee Airman? Absolutely. <laughs> we talked about your uh, book, Red Tail Captured, Red Tail Free, and we mentioned the uh, the Red Tail movie, and uh, but we we didn't mention the fact that you were the subject of a documentary film called The Luft Gangster. What? How 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 was that? Well, Luft Gangster, L U F T is Luft. Which in German means air. And of course, the uh, gangster behind it, it was a, let's see, a parody on the blacks. Luft gangster. What oh. the Germans called because you were so good. Well, the, mm-hmm. the title of this documentary film about you is uh, The Luft Gangster, Memoirs of a Second-Class Hero. It's an award-winning documentary. Um, how, how do you feel about that term, second-class hero? In my book, you're a first-class hero. Well, during that time, you were strictly second-class. Even, even in military, we were still subject to segregation laws. In fact, the 337, the 477, the B-25 outfit was still subject to many segregation laws where the colonel tried to get 100 men, 100 officers to sign an illegal letter which would designate the segregated boxing club for the 477th Bombardment Group. But there were a lot of instances where we were segregated and uh, subjected to many outlandish laws. Were you teaching? Were, were you teaching when? Uh, and and I'm I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, Alexander. Forgive yeah. me, but uh, you got a teaching certificate in '47 from uh, Wayne State University. Started teaching elementary school science in the Detroit public school That's system. Right. While you were teaching, and and then later uh, as assistant principal, um, were were you still teaching when uh, the Red Tails movie came out? Oh, no. I came out of the service in 1945 when the war was over. Came to Detroit and became a, a school teacher. And <clears throat> Alexander? Oh, I'm still here. Oh, okay. Um, I, what I was wondering is if some of the kids that uh, that you taught in school, if they uh, if they knew about this background that you had. 
though, when we came back, many of us who became teachers and other uh, parts, other members of the education never said anything about our work experiences. Fifth and sixth graders not understand Dachau. I saw Dachau two days after the Americans, the Americans liberated And of course, under the circumstances, you couldn't explain that to fifth and sixth graders. Uh, even even today, it, it's still chilling. It's chilling, but part of war. Do you think that uh, that President Truman in 1948 would have signed that decree uh, desegregating the military had it not been for the Red Tails? Uh, the Red Tails were part of this. You have to understand, there were many, many blacks in the Army, Navy, Marines, and the Air Force. And consequently, on the performance of many of these others, plus the Tuskegee Airmen, gave old man Truman the guts enough to sign a executive order, 1981, which would desegregate the military. Then I often asked persons in the audience what happened six years later. And they look around and finally they come to the conclusion that 1954 was the desegregation of the educational system in the United States. See? And as things go, by the way, that was the beginning of the civil rights movement. And, and Slowly but surely, things would happen. Were there former... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Tuskegee Airmen like yourself, were they apt to get involved in some of the activities going on around the civil rights movement? Absolutely. We were very, very much involved in the civil rights movement. Some specifically, I did the walking uh, but there are many, many Tuskegee Airmen. Did did the uh, did did the guys from uh, from your fighter group? Did they get together after the war, like like so many units do, um, and and meet only, somewhere for reunions and things? Um, only. After- a certain number of years, we came back. We were so busy raising families, we didn't get together until 1972. In Detroit, we got together in my basement, and we <laughs> formed the first chapter of Chesapeake Incorporated. We we formed the Detroit chapter in 1972. The first chapter of the organization. And after that, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, all organized. And then in 75, we became 
uh, organized as, as an organization. Today, there's still 40 or 50 chapters throughout the world. Really? How many, how, how many were there um, to begin with of the Tuskegee? To begin with, there were 900 men actually became pilots. 350 of these went overseas and combat. The rest formed the 477 B-25 outfit. The B-25 outfit never got to Never been to combat. Now, to support these, there were 25,000 other persons in the military. Cooks, bottle washers. There were uh, navigators, bombardiers, and uh, all the rest of that in the 332nd Fighter Group and the 477. Now, I mentioned earlier um, the, the fact that you outlined the story of, of being shot down and captured um, yes. uh, on, a, on a mission to take out a radar installation. And some of the recollections in your book talk about that. And I think we talked about that when I visited with you a few years sure. ago. But mm-hmm. could could you kind of retell that, that story for right. us, the, the mission and, and sure. what happened? See, Tom, we had no idea that radar would go, would uh, control the guns fighting out to sea around the city of in southern France. And our job was to knock out the radar. We had no idea that the invasion came off the 15th, August the 15th. And as we went in, each, let's see, each of our, we had four or five uh, groups, I mean, four or five uh, elements. And the four, the, the four guys, in my flight, had the job of knocking out radar out the city of Toulon. And as we went in for 15,000 feet, we dove in and added, added fuel, picked up speed. By the time we were going across the target, we were doing about 400 miles an hour. And I fired at radar buildings. Our job was to knock out the, the, the buildings that supported the guns. And as I went right across the target, at about 200 feet, shell came up through the floor. What else? And I, I thought about it many times afterwards. Another five or six inches, and the old family Jews. <laughs> That's a little too close for comfort, Alexander. Close for comfort. But out of, ironically, out of all the training flying, we knew the war, the war is going on. Consequently, 
we never had any time how to get out of that airplane, how to bail out. So I was doing about 400, go back on the stick and get some altitude. I think I might have gone up a little bit. I don't But as you go up, you jettison the canopy. And that's when you get to the top, the stick loose. And you hit these belts, uh, the, the buckles hold in the belt. And I'm, I'm thrown out by before. And as the tail goes by, you pull the ripcord. And as the, the parachute pop, I'm swinging through the trees. And quite naturally, first thing you think, now, what's going to happen next? And I'm in the trees, and I hear this voice. Ah, that's the old brother. The Germans, the German, German pilot, he more than likely a pilot. He saw the gold bar on the collar, and uh, and all I could do was said, "Okay, you got this." He helped me unbuckle myself and come down through the trees. That was my introduction to southern France. Mm-hmm. And and you now you were captured by. Uh by Nazis and uh, taken to a yes. prisoner of war camp. Um, were you were you roughed up? I, were you treated no. badly just by virtue of being Luckily, an American? I was captured by the military. And under the circumstance, the German soldier saw, saw my second tent bar and saluted me. Now, if I had been caught by, by the civilians, more than likely I would have been killed. Then, and how was treatment at the at the prisoner of war camp? I was the first of all the three. It was in Poland. It was a German field up camp, strictly for officers. And the Germans uh, respected the uh, thank. They were nineteen thirty-nine. They respected the. Oh, can't remember the act. The control how you treat people. Oh, the Geneva Convention. No beatings. No torture. Well, basically, because the Germans knew more about me than I knew about myself. <laughs> Why and how their intelligence system worked, I have no idea. More with Tuskegee Airmen, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Jefferson, straight ahead. <laughs> Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? Mm. It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flynn Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flip Flip Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology.
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Tuskegee Airmen, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Jefferson, straight ahead. They had they had files. Pulled on. out a book, had all the pictures of Tuskegee. Knew exactly where I came from. Knew my high school. Had my grades in college at Clark College, by and uh, I was treated as an officer and a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Then, now after that experience, how how did you come to get away? It, it were, did were, did well, you escape? I was in a camp, and we we were finally near Munich, where the camp was liberated. General Patton's Third Army in, 19, in April 1945. Then uh, Stalag 7A, and there were possibly a hundred thousand American flying officers. There were a lot of men. Now, was the war pretty well winding down when you were freed, or? Oh, yes. So when you when you returned to the uh, United States, where did you where did you land? Oh, when I came back and got off the boat, I was reassigned to Tuskegee Army Airfield in in Alabama as an instructor. For the new cadets come through. So we were still segregated. And under the segregation laws. But there were no ticker tape parades or... Oh, no. None. We came back, back into the military. Back into the grind. Mm-hmm. How how was how was life uh, back in the in the military? Um, was it was it difficult to adjust, or or was it just you were so used to it from um, before the war? You have to understand. We we grew up on the, in the north under certain segregation laws. In Detroit, there were certain places. Where you could not buy a house. There, are, downtown Detroit, there are no lavatories in the, in the downtown area. We grew up under segregation laws, and even in Detroit, worst worst part, below the Mason-Dixon line, things were rough, and uh, we started. We started the civil rights movement. Alexander, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, because it it just seems sort of uh, unusual for that period of time, but um, you got your degree in, uh, your bachelor's degree in chemistry and biology. Were you always interested in science? What, What drew you in that direction? Never thought about that. <laughs> well, you ended up taking a, uh, you were an analytical chemist for a few months. Analytical. 
Yeah, orga. I got it. Degree in organic chemistry. And, chemistry. and how did you? Chemistry and what do I know? Chemistry and biology. Yeah. Chemistry and biology. And then your master's degree in education, but, um, but I mean, just naturally. Were you were you just naturally attracted to science and and how did that how did that how did you go from from being sort of interested in in science and chemistry and biology to aviation? Well, at the time, as a let me go back. Number one, one of these was. I had to take my dad his lunch, but he forgot his lunch. And he worked in a little in a little factory about a mile away and I had see high school high school sophomore. I had to take him his lunch. When I got to the factory, I asked where is Mr. Jefferson? And they told me Old Jeff's in the back in the foundry. And I finally got to the foundry. Temperature was about 110. And my dad was stripped on the end of a ladle, pouring hot aluminum. And I said to myself, once I get out of this place, I'll never get into a foundry again. When I got to high school, I majored in chemistry and biology. And quite naturally, I went to college. I majored in chemistry and biology. I minored in physics and math. And during the war, in order, well, first of all, the draft was was after me. And as a black man, I would go to the army as a private. But when I graduated. The Army Air Corps had opened up for blacks. And you had to be a college graduate in order to go training Tuskegee Army Air Corps. We just, we just have a few minutes left, and I, I, I'm just so fascinated by your story as I was a few years ago when we talked the first time. Um, but, but I want to move beyond that, although not without recognizing that through your book and other books and and uh, now the movies, um, the, the Tuskegee Airmen are, are finally getting the, the credit and uh, praise that they have, uh, the recognition that they have so long deserved. And I'm, I'm thrilled to see that. But, but in the wake mm-hmm. of that, how does, how do things look to you now? I, you've been around a long time you saw how things were before, during, and after World War II. Are things getting better? In the military, yes. We made tremendous progress. And the military had the representation of civilian life. And things have happened in the military where black blacks are concerned. We've, see, during World War II, the blacks had, uh, things had opened up for blacks in the military and the Air Force and the Army Air Corps. And 
to be a pilot, you had to be a college graduate. And the draft had protected me from being a buck private. But at the time, they needed they needed pilots for, for the second fighter group. And I, I qualified. I think about it one thing. If the draft had caught me, I would be a buck private making $21 a month. But as a cadet, during the nine months of training, we got $75 a month. And you must understand, that was when gasoline was sent to the gallon. Cigarettes were five cents a pack. Right. Life was different. And as the second lieutenant, I made $150 a month. So which would you take? <laughs> Just the excitement of flying. It was exciting, Tom. Did you keep did you keep up flying after the war? No. First place it was too expensive. And uh, I wanted to stay in the military, but everybody was uh, being sent home. And yeah. uh it's all but, part of life. It's all part of life. But in in as much as uh, this is uh, Martin Luther King's birthday, and yes, we is. recognize uh, Dr. King's life and and work on on this day, um, right. what do you think socially uh, around the country? Do you think things have uh, have gotten better? Do you think we're we're getting the message uh, that that Dr. King tried so hard to convey? Slowly but surely. <laughs> yeah, Slowly I, would have, but surely. I would have to concur with that, Alexander. Yes, it, it is a an absolute treat and an honor to talk with you. Uh, thank you for your service you. and for um, helping us to remember. Why do you think it's important that we remember stories like yours and and your well, fellow Tuskegee Airmen? Very shortly, we often say. Freedom is not free. Yeah. Somebody has to pay for it. And I think Dr. King was one of the one of the persons who paid the, paid the ultimate for, for people and who I, have been listening to us. Um, I, I always like to let listeners know where they can hear mm-hmm. more about. Uh, um, what we've been talking about. Do you have a website? No, no. But there, there is That's, a there is a Facebook page, and there are links to uh, your book, and um, also to um, the uh, the documentary film, and so on. Alexander, I just have a couple seconds left. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Take Thank care. You, Take care, sir. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here!